Hello, everyone, and welcome to the first episode of a new podcast from the Asia Pacific Association of Communication Directors, or APAC-D. It is called In-House Communications Lessons, Uh, and we're very happy to have as our first guest on the podcast, uh, a longtime friend of APAC-D and of Provoke Media, uh, Stephen Forshaw. Stephen, welcome to the podcast from, I think you're in Marseille today. Yes. Hi, Arun. Nice to be with you again. So Stephen, you have actually just moved or are moving um, to Airbus uh, after, what was it, more than a decade with um, with Tomasek. So perhaps we can start off by uh, getting your views on, on why you decided to make that shift. Yeah, it, it, look, it, it's a big call. Um, you know, I, I loved the role that I had at Tomasic. I was really enjoying it. And it's a company that has, um, you know, a very big future ahead of it, given its place as an investor. But I also saw in what Airbus were offering me an opportunity to go into a, a business leadership role uh, as a country head, um, looking over an entire spectrum of the business in in Australia, New Zealand and the South Pacific. And that's a really interesting role for me. It takes me back to aviation. As you said, I I, I sort of started in aviation a long time ago. And I've always loved the industry and had a a feel for it and wanting to come back. I guess there were also some personal drivers for me around wanting to spend more time back in Australia, uh, particularly around family and and sort of certain personal drivers that that, sort of made it uh, a compelling opportunity to look at something in Australia. And this this happened to tick a lot of boxes for me. Um, but, but you know, whenever we uh, sort of make career transitions, a lot goes through our mind. Um, you know, it, it's always difficult to uh, up, uproot yourself from a role in which you're very settled because you, you know, you, you wake up every morning knowing exactly what the job's going to be and who to speak to and how to navigate and all of the things that just make it uh, compelling. But on the other hand, I'm the sort of individual that thrives for a bit of a learning challenge and a readjustment, a disruption of myself, which, you know, I've, I've done periodically in my career. And I don't think it hurts us as individuals to, to sort of step out of our comfort zone and sort of re-challenge ourselves regularly to do things that are perhaps uh, not what you'd instinctively think is the next path. Mm, indeed. Um, you were in Singapore for two decades, I think, well, almost two decades. Um, you mentioned your aviation experience previously. Uh, you were VP of Public Affairs um, at Singapore Airlines. Your, your career, I, I guess, really started in Australian politics, uh, and you also had a couple of years in a senior communications role at Microsoft. Uh, but, of course, at Tomasek, um, your role broadened to include business leadership of Australia and New Zealand. Your role at Airbus now is um, overall business leadership for Australia, New Zealand and the Pacific. It's still very rare to see communicators moving into business leadership roles. And uh, I wondered if you had any specific opinions on why that, that is the case. Yeah, look, I think in some cases it's because a lot of people in in the communications industry are really always set on being domain specialists. You know, they are going to be 
very good communicators because that's the discipline that they've been trained at. So they've either come from journalism or perhaps done a communications degree or, or, or have some passion for public affairs or communications. And, and look, that's absolutely fine. I think there's nothing wrong at all with that. Um, I, I take the view that communications is one channel of the general bis business discipline. Uh, there are others, legal, uh, marketing, um, finance, you know, any number of sort of spectrum of the, of the corporation that we know um, where, where there is a, a requirement for domain and functional leadership. I kind of see that I wanted to stretch myself beyond uh, simply communications. And I, I say simply communications uh, carefully because communications is not simple, particularly in a large, complex, multinational organization with changing stakeholders, uh, a very diverse employee base. There's a lot to keep us all busy in, in that domain alone. Uh, for me, though, the attraction in communications for being in an in-house role is to go deep in the business. It's to learn the business, not just uh, how to communicate around the business, but to actually know what the business does. So at, at Singapore Airlines, I used to regularly go and spend time on the check-in counters, in flight operations. You know, you get really deep into the business. Whenever anything happened involving an aircraft, uh, I used to ask the pilots or the engineers to take me down to the hangar or put me in the simulator and recreate what happened. Because if I've got to communicate that, I can do it much more authentically and, and credibly if, if I know the business, if I'm understood to know the business by the stakeholders I'm communicating to. And that's, for me, been a, a critical success factor. I've always said to my teams in-house, the difference that, that exists between you and perhaps uh, an agency or a vendor arrangement is that you have the luxury of being in-house. So go deep. You know, no one's going to stop you. Um, you carry the ID card. You can open all the doors. You can go into places. So, so use it. Whereas if you're working in an agency supporting a client, the strength you have is that you may support five or six different clients in different industries. You can bring different and valuable perspectives from other clients to any one of those single clients, but you don't have the luxury of being able to go as deep into the client business as you do when you're on the client side. So so to me, that, that, that challenge to people in-house is if you don't demonstrate your ability to go deep in the business and learn it inside out, then you are putting yourself at risk of being outsourced because you're effectively doing the same as what a vendor can already do, a consultant or a, or, or a practitioner that's, that's hired for a particular purpose, a project manager or something. Um, and I think that skill or that, that, that depth of business expertise is something that makes the difference between a really good in-house practitioner and someone who is a domain specialist but really doesn't want to go any further than being a domain specialist. And there'll be a place for people like that. I just prefer that in the teams I lead, I want to lead people who I can have conversations with around the business imperatives. Do you see any um, specific benefits from a communications background when it comes to taking on a broader business leadership role? And, you know, with the caveat that I'm, I'm sure every function thinks that they're really well placed for business <laughs> leadership. If you ask legal or financial or sales, I'm sure you'll hear the same thing. But yeah. let's hear it from the communications perspective. So I think one area of domain expertise that people in our profession need to own 
exclusively or, or, or lead is reputation. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you cite that all of the disciplines will bring various perspectives to the leadership table, and yes, they do. And if you think about the composition of boards today, uh, boards are charged with the leadership of, of the company. They need all of those skill sets, and that's why boards are formed uh, ideally with a mix of diverse individuals. Um, and what we bring to the table as communications professionals is reputation management, mm-hmm. uh, an understanding of the drivers of reputation, an understanding of how the, the reputation needle moves based on the inputs and outputs. And, and that is a function that I can tell you from personal experiences is, is, is occupying a lot of thought space and time in board discussions. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I've, I've had the opportunity over the years to sit on a number of boards. And, you know, I, I make it very clear as I go into those boards, you know, I didn't come from KPMG. I, I'm probably not going to be your best chair of the Audit and Finance Committee. Um, I'm not a lawyer. Uh, I didn't come out of McKinsey uh, where I can do business restructuring and, and all of those things. But what I can do is own and lead conversations about reputation Mm -hmm. and reputation is a function that sits with the board you know it you are accountable to the shareholders for the reputation of their business of their investment and that's a function that sits at the highest level with the board and the ceo so you know if you think about it reputation offers an opportunity for people who are skilled communications practitioners to lead those conversations at the most senior levels of the firm. Yeah. Uh, to do that, you've got to have a few things. You've got to have executive maturity and presence. Mm. Uh, you've also got to be adaptable enough to know, you know, th- this one matters and this one is less important. And, and you know, you, you can't be too idealistic about everything. You've got to learn art of compromise because all business decisions usually involve an art of compromise. But if you can do that, you actually offer your, 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 your career progression a real opportunity to play a senior role in a firm and potentially to take on board directorship roles, uh, you know, either while you're working or potentially after you've finished working. Mm. Well put. So let's move into the four areas I wanted to ask you about. So it's pretty simple. We want you, we want you to provide a key lesson that you have learned uh, across so from from each of these four areas so first is career second is uh, public relations slash communications or the actual work um third is personal and and fourth is um you know one piece of advice for your younger self not to suggest you're still not mm-hmm. a young man um but let's start with uh, with number one and uh what would what would be your key lesson in terms of, of the career you have built I think in terms of career, never stop learning. Um, Always look at the opportunity, whether you're with the same company or changing companies. And and let's face it, um, it's actually very rare today for people to stay in the same company for life like Mm -hmm. our parents or grandparents might have done. Um, But use the opportunity to, to, to sort of make sure you stay on the learning treadmill and don't let that treadmill slow down. Uh, because if it does, you'll find that, look, the, the skills we come out of university with today are not enough to keep us relevant in the workforce, you know, forever and ever. The constancy of upskilling, of reskilling ourselves is a challenge on all of us. It's not something that can be delegated to universities or, 
or, or, or you know, someone else. It's, it's our problem. Uh, so you have to own that. And owning that means constantly learning. Um, every industry is in a period of disruption. We often think, well, no, tech is really where the disruption is happening. No, even in legacy industries, um, I, I see huge amounts of disruption. I, I remember sitting with a law firm in Sydney that were telling me, and this is only five years ago, that they saw no risk of disruption from artificial intelligence. And I walked out of the room thinking, they're dead in 10 years. They really are. Mm. Because every industry is going to be disrupted uh, by changes that are happening around us. And that constancy of learning is the thing that will keep you relevant. Mm. Uh, there's a really good uh, way of differentiating the science of communication from, say, the science of finance or, or legal and so on. It's it's about perception. It's about we're, we're, we're talking to people and we're hopefully triggering in people responses and emotions. And that is harder to automate using computers because, hey, look, we could be happier because the sun's out. You know, the sort of drivers that, that impact our mood are sort of things that are instinctive to communications professionals to know. But moving with your wider environment is so critical. So, you know, short answer to your question, just keep learning, right. always keep learning. Excellent, thank you. A major lesson in terms of communications. Have a point of view, uh, always have a point of view. Um, it's, it's not enough to, to sort of uh, be, you know, if you're asked a question by a senior leader of the firm, what do you think? Have an answer. Uh, the answer doesn't always have to be right. There might be some inputs about which you're just not aware and can't be, uh, you know, just can't be aware because they're not within your realm. But if you, if you don't have a point of view, then you don't offer any value. Mm. Um, you know, you can kind of say, oh, well, you could do this or you could do that. Okay, but which do you want me to do? Mm -hmm. So one of the things I always say to my team is don't come to me with problems, come to me with solutions and then we'll brainstorm them around and make sure that you know we, we're all on the same page and get the right answer. And we road test our thinking before we take it to the next level. That's a good thing to do. Mm -hmm. But don't come into a room with a problem unless you've also got an idea for a solution. Mm -hmm. uh, because I, th I, I think what people are looking for in communications people is people who understand their discipline, uh, who understand the landscape and drivers of reputation. Uh, if And look, we, we play in the gray space in communications because if the answer was as simple as being black or white, people already know it before they come to us. They come to us because they want our expertise. Mm -hmm. They want our views. And our views are formed by experience and sometimes by instinct because we just know our discipline well enough to know what the answer is likely to be. Mm -hmm. You won't get it right all the time, but getting it wrong on occasion is a lot better than not having a point of view. So my golden lesson to anyone as they're thinking about developing their own career here, the key lesson I've learned from, from day one is, uh, is, is sort of always have a point of view. Mm -hmm. uh, interestingly, one component of that point of view that may seem counterintuitive for people in communications is sometimes to appreciate the value of silence. Mm -hmm. You don't have to say everything all the time. Mm -hmm. uh, you don't have to answer a question just because it's been asked. Mm -hmm. uh, you, 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 you will often find that preserving your, your powder and saying things at the right time gives you much greater effect. Mm -hmm.
than than sort of being a constant noise generator. And so, you know, do understand that having a point of view may also include sometimes it's best to be silent on this. And I mean, that goes for corporates as well. Having a point of view you think is important. Absolutely. I think it's all the more important in, in corporates because, look, corporates are facing choices. Um, the the involvement of external stakeholders in determining brand and reputation around corporates is now more prevalent and faster paced than it's ever been before. Mm-hmm. So communications practitioners are expected to be on top of all of that. They're expected to understand what's driving thinking on reputation. Uh, having a point of view is critical to the inputs that senior leaders of the firm are going to, to look at when it comes to making key strategic decisions on you know, future business developments, things like right-sizing organizations. You know, inevitably, organizations are going to face questions about uh, we need to change the business focus or we have too many people and things like that. So understanding the drivers of how these things will be perceived outside is really important to, to throw into conversations with business leaders. They'll get their inputs from the CFO, from the head of legal, from the head of marketing. Your inputs need to be salient, on point, uh, articulated well, concise, and be able to, to resonate with the, the inputs that are coming from all of the other line line managers and domain experts in the business to allow you know, a, a senior executive, a CEO, or even a board to make the right, well-informed decisions. From a personal perspective, what have you learned? That's probably the toughest question because, uh, you know, I'm perhaps not as good at sort of reflecting inwards, but I think uh, trying to maintain a sense of balance is is very hard. You know, in communications, you you have to be on Um, 24-7. I've I've worked in, in aviation. I've worked in an investment company where things move at great pace and the need to be always on can be very challenging. So finding balance and i know that's a term everyone talks about find the right work-life balance and and all of that but i think finding balance is a particular challenge for people in senior communications roles um i i i'll be honest i'm not sure i know the right answer to this um uh, people will find their answers in hobbies in in family in in sort of having uh pets or whatever whatever drives you that gives you the right balance but I think it's actually really important to that we all work a bit harder at trying to find that right balance. Mm. And I, I, I plead to being far from perfect mm. in that respect. And I think that's probably a question where I still have a lot to learn, frankly. Yeah, well, it's very honest of you. And, and maybe we will learn more about that on this series because, you know, we plan to interview many in-house concepts. So um, stay tuned. Uh, yeah. Final Good. question. One piece of advice for your younger self. I'm going to split it into three parts that are all kind of interrelated. Mm -hmm. Um, And it comes back to the earlier point I was making about have a point of view. So the the, the three things I constantly uh, push myself to remember as I think about roles, um, be a storyteller, Um, tell a good story. Uh, I'm reminded that you know, a good story is rarely a uh, spreadsheet or a PowerPoint slide, but it's often a photograph or a drawing or a video um, that has impact, that has emotional appeal rather than is data driven. 
data underpins good stories, but the data themselves are not stories. You've got to find the way of giving life to the data. Mm. So, you know, that, that's, that's, that's point one. Point two is always challenge the status quo. Um, uh, and, and interrelated to that is point three, which is don't use jargon. Um, when you go in-house, it's very easy to slip into the same way of speaking, the same language and tone as everyone else in the organization, and you suddenly find yourself starting to use acronyms that are absolutely meaningless to people outside that close circle. Mm -hmm. So challenging the status quo means constantly reminding yourself that, hey, I'm responsible for telling stories to groups of people outside right. who don't understand our business. Yeah who find fascination in things that to us are pretty average everyday occurrences. Mm. Uh, the quirky things in our business that we might find as irritants or frustration could actually be really appealing news stories to a journalist. So yeah. understanding that you need to constantly challenge the, the, the status quo and that you can't get um, sort of immersed in jargon. I, I think it was that that great TV show from the UK in the 1970s and 80s, Yes Minister, mm -hmm. where it, it, the, the phrase that was coined was uh, ministers become house trained. Mm -hmm. um, don't in communications become house trained. Yeah. Um, always retain that, that, that external lens on things. Don't get swamped by jargon. Always challenge the status quo and fundamentally remember that your job is to be a storyteller. Yeah. And stories are things that keep people awake rather than put people to sleep. Yeah, and it kind of comes back to the, to the idea of not just being the corporate representative in the public, but being the public representative in the corporate. Um, exactly. The second part of that equation is, is, is often becomes far less important than the first. Yeah, it's it's a good reminder to everyone to to that your role is um, is two edges mm -hmm. of of a sword or it's two faces of a coin. Uh, you know, fundamentally, it's the same thing, but it has different perspectives and different faces to to what you have to do. Mm -hmm. um, and a lot of what you have to do, increasingly, as you get to function leadership roles, senior leadership roles in organisations is that you're having to spend more and more time being the voice of outside to inside the firm mm. rather than the other way around. Um, having said that, one of the things that I've always found to be a frustration in, in roles I've had is where I spend too much time doing that, that I actually start losing contact with a lot of what's going on outside. Right. Um, so a, a, again, coming back full circle, get balance right in, in, in sort of ensuring that you can still be a valuable input to the sort of decisions being made by senior leaders in the firm. Sure. Stephen, thank you so much. So many lessons there, I feel, um, uh, for, for, for communicators, I think, at, at, at every stage of their careers. And we're really happy to have you as the first guest uh, on this show. Um, Best of luck with your new role, uh, and maybe we'll get you back on here, and you can you can tell us more about that um, in the not too distant future. Thanks a lot. Great, thanks, Arun, and uh, very happy to be with you. We'll stay in touch, I'm sure.